This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey there, I'm Solejo, and you're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. I'm going to be honest. While I was figuring out lunch for today, I looked in multiple cookbooks for a recipe for beans and rice because I couldn't think of what I needed to put in. Is this what burnout looks like? Let's be real. I have a strong feeling you might be here with me on this. It feels like we've taken a big step back from the early pandemic days when people were still talking about how much free time they had. Who are these people? I don't know. Was I one of them? Let's not talk about it. All of our windowsill scallions are probably long dead. Remember fancy takeout? Dalgona coffee? I don't have the mental resources to be out there anymore. My last two brain cells are Googling beans and coming up empty. What I'm trying to say is there's so many reasons why people don't cook. The cost, the time, sheer exhaustion, even straight up disinterest. But you either power through it or order delivery again, I guess. And as my guest today will tell you, there are rampant logistical and emotional barriers that prevent us from cooking. But you can learn to live with them and still eat well. Everybody can cook on their own terms. So today I'm talking to cookbook author Leanne Brown. Her first book, Good and Cheap, It's one of my favorite cookbooks of all time, and it really is about how to make nourishing meals without spending too much money. And her latest book, Good Enough, is all about addressing the emotional barriers that prevent people from enjoying time in the kitchen. When we think about cooking, cooking is fundamentally, it's like an elevated version of feeding ourselves. And so feeding ourselves means taking care of ourselves, nourishing ourselves, and that can be hard to do when we don't feel totally good about ourselves. And I think a lot of us don't feel totally good about ourselves kind of all the time. So yeah, this week is kind of like home cooking therapy on Extra Spicy. And now here's my conversation with Leanne. So I wanted to start off by saying that I have had an extreme friend crush on you for years now. (laughs) that stems from good and cheap your first book i just thought it was genius and i was like this person is the coolest person well we need to be friends a cookbook like this why haven't we made this happen (laughs) (laughs) well it's one of those things where like you know especially someone who's who's written a book at at the time when it came out i was like so i think i had unrealistic ideas of what professional authors were like and what they Mm, did they just felt like you know, people on a def- on a different planet. Of course. You know what I mean? Well, anyone that you look up to and admire always feels like, I, how could I possibly just talk to them and tell them who I am? And yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but I loved Good and Cheap. I thought it was the coolest. Like, there are cookbooks that address similar issues mm-hmm. of, you know, cooking for yourself when you don't have a ton of money. But I just wanted to to say, like, nothing spoke to me Mm. like yours. At the time the book came out in 2015, I was working in restaurants Mm. and I was really trying to reconcile my own sort of feelings about 
you know, devoting my days cooking for people who could afford food that I couldn't afford, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I just, you know, I was beginning to wonder, and this was before I did really any food writing, um, and I was beginning to wonder how the food writing world, like if anyone else was thinking about people who didn't have money. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so like finding your book was like, oh my God, like, okay, there's someone. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that may be sort of in a way like how I, I found the interest in that good and cheap. It was my thesis project that just felt like there was this big hole. Like no one was talking about this like incredibly normal, huge <laughs> part of life, um, which is struggling sometimes without money. And that so many people, of course, who work very hard in food, um, in the food world, um, themselves are are struggling with that same thing and the sort of weird dynamic of that, the duality of that. So Good and Cheap addressed, you know, financial barriers to cooking, time mm-hmm. too, to a certain degree. And now you're talking about the more emotional and psychological barriers. Yeah. So can you talk more about what keeps people from cooking? Oh, man, I think it's so many things that are kind of like really below the surface. Like, I think most people couldn't tell you what keeps them from cooking. I think we we have our things that we say, right? Like we say, oh, I don't have time or I don't or I don't have enough money. And it's not in any way to downplay that those are real. Not in any way. They are real. But at the same time, I don't think they're always the deepest reason. They're often not the real root of the issue. When we think about cooking, cooking is fundamentally, it's like an elevated version of feeding ourselves. And so feeding ourselves means taking care of ourselves, nourishing ourselves. And that can be hard to do when we don't feel totally good about ourselves. And I think a lot of us don't feel totally good about ourselves kind of all the time in some way or another. There's a sense of, I think, food becomes at such an early age sort of something we use as reward and sometimes punishment even. We experience that whether it's, you know, at school, in our families or out in the world. You know, how often I will be like working at something and I'll be like, oh, I'm really hungry. But I'm like, oh, I need to get this done. <laughs> Let's like hurry and get this done and keep trying. And then I'll like reward myself with lunch. And it's like, just if we take a step back from that, that really doesn't make any sense. It's so normal. Like, we all do it. And yet, when you really look at it, you're like, that's kind of messed up. I'm going to keep myself from, like, a really basic, really important need in order to motivate myself to get something done. But what we really know, of course, about our physical bodies, (laughs) which are real and, like, important to just know about, is... When we're hungry, we're not going to be better at our work. We're not going to be more creative. Really, the thing is, I think so many of us bring so much anxiety into the kitchen and into our food choices. I think we don't know how to eat. I think that there are so many choices that feel so overwhelming. I think, you know, knowing what to eat, when, wanting to balance, being healthy, enjoying ourselves, not taking so much time, not spending so much sort of time and energy on this, our finances, all of those things together make up something that just can be really overwhelming. And I think so many of the places that we go to try to learn how to feed ourselves, how to cook, are not necessarily built for our sort of everyday lives. There are so many days that look like I come home from work and I really am just too tired 
to make dinner. And if I don't have a plan for what to do that I can kind of just start doing right away, it can quickly become like, I can't do this. I am going to order takeout. And there's nothing wrong with ordering takeout. But in that moment, you can feel like, oh my gosh, I have failed. I feel bad about this. And so then not only are you, you're doing something that's actually good for yourself. You're supporting yourself in this moment. You needed that takeout, but you're telling yourself you're doing a bad thing. So there's so much sort of just really, there's negative self-talk involved in the way that we nourish ourselves. And there's so much sort of lack of acceptance. There's this really, I think so often this tacit, like really high standard that we have, you know, to be this ideal person who sort of, cooks healthy food all the time and doesn't overthink it and, you know, eats well and takes care of themselves and doesn't waste food and stays within their budget and all of these sorts of things, which are great goals to have. And absolutely, there are so many sort of habits that we can bring in that can help us establish those things and and they can really support our lives. But at the same time, it's okay to order takeout and it's okay to just literally like eat crackers for dinner if that's what you need to do. I have such a hard time with accepting that, with accepting that I can have a canned fish and crackers dinner and still be, I don't know, a good person. Is that, is that ridiculous? I think so much of it is about having a standard that is flexible, like knowing that there are going to be days where, you know, so long as you nourish yourself in some way, that's what matters. And there are going to be days and weeks and periods of our lives where cooking and feeding ourselves maybe will come more easily. But I think that we just need to have more honesty, more reality about sort of how cooking and feeding ourselves really can work sort of as part of our lives. And food is so beautiful and has so much meaning and it's so delicious. And we know it has, you know, so much sensory possibility, like cooking, the act of cooking is so wonderful and nourishing. You know, we get to smell all these cool things and all like hearing the sizzling, like there's so much beauty to it and it's so wonderful. But I think when it becomes this place where there's so much self recrimination, you know, there's so much sort of negative self-talk around what we do, that it's never good enough, then it becomes more stress in our lives. It becomes another way in which we're failing. And that is so sad, you know, and I just, if there's any way that we can reframe in small ways that kind of an experience, because feeding ourselves is is meant to be nourishing. It's physically nourishing, and it can be so emotionally nourishing as well. Every time we choose to maybe not work through that hunger moment that I mentioned earlier, like even if it's just something quick and you go like, okay, look, I'm just going to like eat an apple to get me through the next 20 minutes. That is such a good thing you did for yourself. Like that is such a kind beautiful thing that you've done for yourself. You've supported yourself and you've built trust with yourself in that moment. And that's so important. Like that's as beautiful, if not more beautiful than, you know, creating a really incredible like three course meal for a bunch of people. You're listening to the Extra Spicy Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. You can support this podcast and the newsroom that creates it by subscribing to the San Francisco Chronicle at sfchronicle.com slash pop. 
This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. I'm Solejo, and we're back with Leanne Brown. So getting back to your cookbook, I really wanted to talk about one aspect that I thought was really interesting. The TLDR section of each recipe, which I've never seen before. (laughs) And it just is the whole recipe encapsulated in like a few short sentences, just so you don't have to read the whole damn thing before you get started. Yes. I love that. Thank you. I just flipped to this one, the creamy hands-off scrambled eggs. And of course, there's a full recipe, like multi-step. But the TLDR is cook whisked eggs over low heat, mainly leaving them alone for 20 to 30 minutes. Add cheddar, scallions, or leftovers to serve. And it's like, in some ways, it reminds me of like really like 100-year-old cookbooks where that's kind of what the recipe is. (laughs) It's like just that simple. It channels so much of what you were saying in the intro of the book when you were talking about, you know, executive dysfunction and ADHD and just how... Those are real barriers to cooking. I know I'm so touched. I've been so touched by so many people who have ADHD have specifically called out like this is so helpful for me. And I didn't understand that specifically, but like I get it. Like I feel this way too. I don't have a diagnosis, but like I struggle with executive functioning all the time. We all know that it is best practice to read a recipe fully through before you do it. I all the time don't do it. And then what I didn't want was for anyone to have that experience where halfway through it's like, and now let this rest overnight. And then you're like, no, my dinner like that. So (laughs) that was part of it was just like knowing that that is such a common experience that so many people have. I'm really so interested in getting people who are sort of newer to cooking into the kitchen and really doing everything we can to support them to have the most positive experiences. Because I think if every time you try, things kind of fall apart and it's so frustrating, it's going to take that much more energy to get you back in the kitchen each time. And so if there's any way that I can kind of support you to have the most harmonious experience possible where you can feel like you had success, I'm going to do that. And also have people feel like they can succeed, right? Yes. Because perfectionism, Mm -hmm. which you've written a lot about in this book, is a huge barrier. Mm -hmm. And what helps, I think, is being clear about the results and writing directions in a sort of loose way. They can feel intimidating, I think, for some. Yeah, for the the perfectionist inside many of us. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it can feel like, well how do I know if I've succeeded? Right. And I think that's the, like, we have to let go of that. I think I really want to reframe, like, especially home cooking, you know, not restaurant cooking, restaurant cooking. It's like, it's different. You are cooking for an audience. You're cooking for a paying public who need a specific thing or expecting a specific thing. There is a goal. And it's not to say that we can't like have goals at home, but in general, it's like, what matters is just that you did your best. And your best is just going to look different on any day. And I think that when we stop having that goal of like, it needs to look exactly like this, 
then we can like loosen up during the time when we're actually cooking and notice that the actual experience of cooking is pretty pleasurable. Chopping a pepper and like having the little spray of the pepper juice, like touching your hands and the wetness of it and the smell and all of that is actually, if you just can be there to feel it, is so nice. I think to a certain degree, especially, and I'm sure you've noticed during the pandemic, cooking at home has taken on a sort of performative mm-hmm. feel to it, Yeah, especially on social media. Yeah. Well, we have so little pleasure in some it's sort of like our access to pleasure became more limited you're stuck at home you're scared you're frustrated you're super uncertain you don't know when things are going to change you don't know when you're going to get to sort of do the things that you want and so every meal became it's like okay we need it to taste good and be wonderful in some way because then some part of our life is sort of okay i felt like when i was reading your book Your voice was so encouraging. Mm. It just finds all these contingencies for why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling (laughs) about cooking. And the way you really unpack it, you're just going to a subterranean level of consciousness. Mm. What was it like to sit down and just pick apart people's anxieties? It's not, you know, as one size fits all kind of thing, but it felt really resonant in so many ways. I'm glad it did. I think... I just had to, to be honest, I mined mostly my own experience. Um, and of course I had the, I had the motivation and to do it because of talking to so many other people, um, who I knew were having similar experiences, but I knew that the, the only way to really write about it with the depth, I think that it deserves and with the authenticity that it needs for it to be resonant was really to just be honest about my own experience. And often that meant like, yeah, admitting to embarrassing levels of insecurity about incredibly, you know, (laughs) inane things. Like I remember one night going, it was like 11 o'clock and I was just like going to the bodega and I was buying chocolate and cat food. And I remember just having this moment of like, embarrassment almost bordering on shame of like people are gonna think I'm this like sad lonely cat lady like that is what my purchase says in this moment and I was just it just struck me that like on the one hand I really was having like a genuine like embarrassment response and there was this other part of me that was like that's so funny and so not important and so like amazing that like you can feel so insecure about something like that and so kind of exposed and vulnerable just from that moment. And I just like, there were so many people when I got to go out into the world and talk to so many people because of Good and Cheap and so many people from so many different experiences. And over and over again, I just heard people come people come up to me like at a cooking event of some kind And they'd say like, oh, I love what you're doing, but like, I'm a really terrible cook and here's why. And I just heard that over and over and over again. And I just feel like those are my people. Like, I just, I love each and every one of you so much that believes you're a bad cook, but wants not to be, you know? And I guess I just, for me, it's like my whole message is just like, you're not like, and I just, and I want to help you know that because the only way you go from I'm a good cook to I'm a bad cook is in the way you feel about yourself inside. And I was just like, oh, I want to just like, ah, I just, I want to like, I cannot take that out of you, but I want to help show you a path 
to getting to a place where you see that it's not true. Right. And there's so many sensory sort of mindfulness oriented mm-hmm. things that you get from the sort of act of preparation that has nothing to do with whether or not you did something well. Yes, exactly. And this book feels so timely too with the pandemic. How has it been releasing a book during all of this? Oh, yeah. Well, it was <laughs> really interesting. I wrote the book actually and like handed in the manuscript for it January of 2020. So like I wrote this before the pandemic and then sort of edited it through that year and like made changes like here and there just based on this new kind of important experience we are all having. So in a weird way, I think the pandemic has made this message that is so present in the book of like that we have to believe like we are fundamentally good enough Um, And that makes our food good enough and we are good enough to feed and how we do all that just so much more. I feel like people are ripe for this message and needing it. I think the other thing is I was so lucky with Good and Cheap, you know, it was so oddly popular and ended up sort of making its way around into so many different communities. And I guess I just hope that this can be like a slow burn thing. I'm working on creating more offerings around like, um, classes like I want to make a cooking class that is not about like okay we're gonna learn to make this soup tonight it's like yeah we'll learn to make that soup but we're gonna learn how to be present and just make soup it's just like I think we just need so much more context we need more we just need like a wider viewpoint of everything in the way that we assess ourselves I think it's really easy to say that it's capitalism's fault. And not to say that it isn't capitalism's fault. It's a lot of it. But is there a way out of that? Because, you know, there's something very all-encompassing about it. There is. It's a system. Yeah. And I don't know if there's an answer to that because I think it just, it stamps us right into these rigid sorts of time slots that we are allowed to do things in. Yeah, and it is a reality. Like, it's also, it is a reality. Like, it's not, it's not like anyone can just go like, oh, well, I'll just work half time at my job so I can really enjoy cooking. It's like, that's not possible. Like, and I, you know, and I would never, it's sort of like with Good and Cheap, there were a lot of people who sort of misunderstood it as like, oh, cool, eating on $4 a day. That's clever. I would love to save money like that. It was like, no, this is really meant to be like a resource if this is a reality that and it is a reality for millions and millions of people. This is not like a fun thing to do. And so it's the same with it's like our lives often are hard and there's real suffering and real limitations. Um, And how and rather than blaming ourselves for that when we're having a hard time. And, and saying like, oh, why can't you just, you know, be better at this, that we find ways, I think, just to soften and soften towards ourselves the way we would to, you know, a friend um, or a loved one and give ourselves the support we need in those moments. And that, you know, if that's ordering takeout or if that's just accepting that I'm going to be really grumpy and tired making dinner tonight, it's like, that's okay. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there is an answer. It's just like the only answer as ever is really just to bring awareness to it so that we can 
we can support ourselves through these realities and, and the reality of some of the, the sort of, not to overstate it, but like the violence of capitalism and the way that it can be internalized in these ways that are so painful. At the very least, then you can get yourself fed, you yeah. get yourself strong, and then you can fight capitalism. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, or you can think every time I'm kind to myself and I go and eat that apple instead of just like powering through, I am fighting capitalism. Okay, I think that's a really great note to end on, <laughs> but I do want to give you space to tell people, you know, the basics, where they can find you and your book or just your essays that you write. Oh, sure. Thank you. So you can find me at leannebrown.com. Um, you can get my free uh, PDF of Good and Cheap there. Um, you can get Good Enough anywhere books are sold, though I'd encourage you to get it at your local indie bookstore. And I'm also on Instagram at Leanne E. Brown. And I'd love to talk to you there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you. It's been so fun. Stay in touch. I would love to like be buds. Okay. <laughs> Thanks again. Today's episode was produced and edited by Taya Francesca Price with help from executive producer Sarah Feldberg. If you're enjoying Extra Spicy, please tell a friend about it and give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. 